From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to What's Wrong With Revenue, uh, episode 59. In today's episode, we're gonna talk about why it might be time to move your website to HubSpot. And because of that topic, I'm joined by a very special guest, uh, Kevin Wheatcraft. Kevin is the Director of Web Services here at Square Two. He's the perfect person to be talking about websites and WordPress and HubSpot and everything related to that. So I'm thrilled to have him on the show today. Kevin, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me, Mike. Excited to be here. Nice. Uh, thanks for joining me. So, Kevin, let me do a little bit of housekeeping, and then we'll jump right into it. So if you are uh, interested in the show, you can check it out on YouTube. The Square to Marketing channel has all of the What's Wrong with Revenue video shows posted to it every single week. Those shows are posted on Thursday morning. You can subscribe to them. You can like them. You can comment. We really appreciate the uh, watchers, our audience's feedback. So head on over to YouTube and the Square to Marketing channel and check it out. All of our audio and video content, including the show, is also posted to our free streaming service called Square2 Plus. You can get that at square2marketing.com backslash square2plus. We have channels for CEOs, CROs, CMOs. We have a HubSpot channel, and we post content to Square2 Plus every single week. You can subscribe to Square2 Plus, just like you subscribe to Netflix, and we put new stuff on there. We'll send you an email letting you know. If you love the show, we actually have a page dedicated to the show at the bottom of our website called What's Wrong With Revenue. Check it out. You can get it added to the calendar. You can join us live. You can submit questions and you can subscribe simply to the show right there on that page. Go ahead and uh, click a couple of those buttons. We'd love to have you as a subscriber or we'd love to answer your question. Kevin and I are going to answer a couple of questions today about websites. And last but not least, if audio content is your John, then head on over to any of the most popular podcast platforms, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple, uh, What's Wrong With Revenue is a very popular podcast on all of those platforms. You can check it out there, download it, and listen to it on demand. So, Kevin, What's Wrong With Revenue, episode 59, it might be time to move your website to HubSpot. Uh, there are so many companies that we've met over the years that have their websites on WordPress. Today, the world is changing. And while it might seem like a solid strategy a few years ago, there are some changes that are going on with both HubSpot and WordPress that I think it's worth talking about. The bigger question here should be, how do you know whether your website is secure, whether it's easy to use, whether it's producing leads and sales opportunities, whether it's actually doing what it's supposed to do for your business, which is help it grow. And one of the best alternatives to WordPress is, of course, one of our favorite platforms, HubSpot, and their CMS has grown up a lot over the past couple of years. And like I said, Kevin is going to help us understand what's new in terms of the HubSpot website platform. Uh, we'll cover all of that with Kevin today. And specifically, what I want to go through is 
why it's important that you control your website and that you're able to optimize it, edit it, and work on it literally every single week. You shouldn't have a website that requires you to ask a web developer to make a small change to it. Changing copy pictures, even adding a new page should, might, should be something that you might want to consider being able to do yourself. And today, you don't have to be a website developer to make those changes. Yet, a lot of the people we meet still rely on that um, service for them to keep their website updated. So I want to cover that. I also want to dig into this common misperception about WordPress and that it's free. While it might be free, if you're using it correctly, it's really not free. So I'm going to have Kevin go into that in some degree of detail also, so you understand what you're getting and what some of your options are um, if you do decide to stay on WordPress. And I also want to talk a little bit about security. Uh, websites today are at risk more than ever. There are people out there attempting to hack your website. Kevin actually showed me a website yesterday that had been hacked and it wasn't pretty. So uh, I want to make sure that everyone understands the security risks associated with the website and those are uh, associated with your website and those are buttoned up and tight. And then we'll talk about the HubSpot CMS because it's come a long way. Um, I believe it had a bit of a legacy uh, reputation not too many years ago and uh, HubSpot has done a lot to turn their website CMS into a really awesome platform. And I want Kevin to share some of the new dynamic features associated with uh, using the HubSpot platform for your website. And then last but not least, we'll talk a little bit about what's required to move from one platform to the other. So you have some idea what you're getting into. And like I said, I do have a couple of questions that we'll cover if we have time. Um, but with that, Kevin, you know, take us out, give us a little bit of your expert opinion around the, the topic here of, of websites and WordPress and HubSpot. And then, uh, I'll guide us into some of the topics that I want to make sure we talk to everybody today about. Sure. Thanks, Mike. Um, so I, I think from a high level, there has been a steady progression of the HubSpot CMS over the years. Um, and like you said, some of the things that used to hold it back when you compare it to other platforms have been one by one removed. So we can kind of step through the history, I think, would be helpful. Um, also, there are a few cases where, you know, maybe it's not a fit, but each with each and every release, those reasons become fewer and fewer. And I don't expect that trend to change. Um, you know, HubSpot's product development team is top notch. They're always looking for feedback, looking to improve the platform. And in my estimation, they've they've done that steadily. And now it's, uh, you know, I'm a little bit biased having gotten my career started at HubSpot, but I, I do think it's the best platform to build on and as an end user to go and edit your website. Um, so I can start off with a little bit of the history uh, and then we can dive deeper into specific areas if you want. Yeah, that would be great. Let's let, let me just um, discuss the bias a little bit because I, you know, we, we square two is uh, a, I guess I should say attempts to be technology agnostic, right? We did, we have plenty of clients who have websites on WordPress and there's nothing wrong with that. So this isn't like a HubSpot is great. WordPress stinks show. Um, but to your point, HubSpot has made a lot of progress over the past couple of years. And I want to make sure that, you know, people who might have their website on WordPress and have some preconceived notions about words, WordPress and HubSpot I think the objective of the show today is just educate everybody as much as we possibly can on both platforms 
so that they can make a good decision for their business. You know, um, like I said, it's not like we're anti-WordPress. We, we work with a lot of clients who have websites on WordPress. So um, that's, that's, that's the theme of the show today. So with that, if you want to, you know, I forgot actually you worked at HubSpot. I mean, that seems like that was a while ago, right? Yeah. Um, 2010 to 2014, I was at HubSpot. So it was the early so days. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I mean, try not to be too biased, but you know, I, I think you'll give everybody a good, honest uh, set of things to consider when they're trying to decide which is right for them. So if you want to do a little uh, chronology on the the progress that HubSpot has made with this platform, that'd be great. And then from there, we can circle back around and talk about some of the uh, topics we mentioned at the outset. Sure. Um, so I've worked at HubSpot first on the support team and then as a channel consultant, and that's how I got to know the agency game and eventually got into that space. But on the support team, um, I was one of the go-to people for fixing broken templates, writing custom scripts, doing event tracking, stuff like that. So I knew the early version of the CMS very well. Um, and to be completely honest, back then I would have recommended WordPress. Uh, the old version of the CMS used to break very easily, had limited design options. Um, yeah, it was good enough to get a starter site off the ground, but it was fairly limited in what you could do with it beyond just your basic marketing pages. Um, and so back then, I think WordPress probably was still the choice. Um, and there, there, are, there are two main reasons, I think, that people were maybe concerned about moving on to HubSpot at that point. One is the design, which we can talk a little bit more about. Um, yeah, we did, we did get a question about that, which I still hear from some companies that we're talking to like, oh, HubSpot, doesn't that have design limitations? Like, won't that limit what the site looks like? I feel like that was a um, an, uh, an objective that HubSpot had to overcome for a long time. Yeah, very, very common objection, which is, you know, I've, I've heard, like you said, that I can't really get the site to look the way I want. And I think on the old version of the CMS, uh, and when I say the old version, I mean, completely different architecture, different programming language that supported it. Uh, and it, it, this new version isn't an updated version, it's from the ground up. So when I say the old version, I, I mean a completely separate CMS platform. And back then it used to be true that you were a little bit limited in what you could do design-wise. You kind of had to play within the box of these themes or similarly to, to other platforms, you needed a developer to really customize things. Uh, so you were more or less picking a, a rudimentary theme and preset templates. You could do a little bit of adding and removing modules, but you were, you were basically picking one style of template per page. And to do any type of advanced or impressive looking design, you pretty much needed a developer. And even from the developer side, you are a little bit limited in what you can do. Um, so that's the old version. And that's how that kind of spread through the internet is that like, oh, I might be limited in what I can do because that did used to be true. Uh, mm -hmm. With the move to the new CMS, a lot of those pains were alleviated because now there is um, a WYSIWYG template builder. 
So now, definitely a developer, but anybody who is fairly comfortable in editors could get in and change the layout of their page and they could define their own sections. Um, so this evolution allowed you to really restructure pages in a very flexible way. When did that, when did that come out? When, when, when did they relaunch this with a whole new architecture? They started building it at the end of my time there. So I wanna say that it was released probably late 2014, early 2015. I, I could be wrong on that, give or take a year. Okay. Um, okay. Around then. And so that was the beginning of the new structure. Um, that still is nowhere close to as flexible as it is today, but that alleviated a lot of the concerns of the old platform. Um, since then, they added flexible columns on top of that framework. So now you can add and remove modules within certain overall frameworks. And that added another level of flexibility. What they've moved to since then is that you can actually custom code the entire page to be drag and drop. And this came out a couple of years ago. And that, that was kind of the last step forward, not in terms of can my site look this way, that got it to the level of your site can basically look like whatever your designer and developer envisions it to be, but now you can go edit it easily without needing them. Mm -hmm. So designer comes up with your perfect plan, developer builds it to be editable. Now the end user can go do whatever they need to do. Yeah, that's a really good segue into one of the things I wanted to talk about, which was wh why is that important, right? Like, why, why, why does a company want to be able to go in and edit their website easily, like without necessarily needing to be um, a, a developer or, or no HTML code language? Wh why do you think that's important? I think there's two reasons. I think one, your website should always be evolving. You should always be improving your messaging based on your analysis of how the site is performing. So if you see that certain offers or certain pages are getting more traffic and conversions, you wanna be able to change your site easily so that you can drive your visitors to, to the paths that you're seeing that they're taking to ultimately convert. Um, so continuous optimization, I think is one piece. The other piece is being able to add to your site easily. Um, so whether that's a new page or a new section or updating your testimonials with videos, stuff like that, um, being able to expand the site easily without needing a developer, I think is also important. Yeah, those are really good points. I actually, you might not be happy to hear this, but I was in HubSpot the other day and I was looking at one of our landing pages and I was like, I'm going to tweak this a little bit. There are some things on it that I didn't like. The conversion rate was a little bit lower. Than I thought it should be. So I just went into HubSpot and look, I'm I'm the one of the least technical people in our company. And look, it did take me a little time to kind of like feel my way through the toolkit there. But you know, a couple of clicks I found I was looking for, and I made a couple of adjustments and published the page. And you know, that's super easy for non-technical uh, people uh, to do. And and very important if they're going to keep their website fresh and, and and really drive performance for it. I think the other thing is, you know, uh, there's two other elements to that. First of all, it's obviously going to be, and look, this is our business, right? So this is something that we probably shouldn't be saying publicly, but like 
if you don't need to hire a company to make changes to your website, it's going to be a lower cost of, of ownership to have, you know, your marketing person or your marketing people be able to do it as opposed to needing a, 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 a website shop or an agency to make these changes for you. So, you know, again, you know, looking at total cost of ownership, you know, something that might appear to be free, but will require someone to tell someone else what to do. And then for you to incur some hourly charges for them to do that, that's cost that you should be considering when you're deciding what the right platform for you is, as opposed to, you know, being able to hop in, click a couple buttons, see the little module, make some changes, hit publish or update and then publish and, and off you go. So, um, I think there's a number of important factors that, that uh, our audience needs to consider when it comes to thinking about how do we want, where do we want our website to be and, and how do we want to interact with it so that it, it really drives business results for the company. Yeah. All right, cool. That, let, let, that ability definitely is, is one of the ones that it is, is the most time-consuming right. piece of it. Let's, let's um, I'm going to really lean on you, you for this next point because again, like, I'm at the edge of my technical pay grade here, but like, I mean, everyone loves WordPress because it's free, right? We hear that. I hear this constantly from prospects. Oh, what's your what's your website on WordPress? Why? Well, it's free. and We like that. Like, okay. So talk, talk a little bit about what some of the pluses and minuses are of using like an open source free product, like WordPress for your website. Like there, there have to be some, obviously we know maybe what the pluses are. It's free, but you know, what are some of the things people might not be aware of or might want to consider when they're maybe thinking about whether they've, you know, that's right for them? Sure. Um, I mean, free always is nice, right? Sounds good. You can get it set up relatively easily. Um, you're going to have to pay for hosting no matter what you're doing with your site. And a lot of hosts, um, you know, even mainstream cheaper options usually have a direct install for WordPress. Click a couple buttons, you're up and running. Um, so that's a nice piece of it, is that you can get set up quickly and for free. Um, now, free is, is where I think a lot of people at face value would say, well, if I can do it for free, then why would I go pay for a platform? Um, right. And I, I think what happens is, yes, you can go start building your site for free. There's not, there's not hidden costs inherent in WordPress itself. Uh, but when you want to go add functionality to your site, if you want to add security, if you want to add really anything that's not out of this just out of the box environment that they're providing you to build a site, that's when the costs start to rack up. Um, but what are, what are some of those, like you mentioned security, can you talk about that a little bit and, and maybe even what some of the other add-ons uh, companies should be considering, you know, maybe they're not, but should be considering. And then, you know, like maybe I don't need you to price the WordPress, you know, uh, sales handbook, but if you have some idea of like maybe what some of those costs would be, that would be nice for you to share. Sure. Um... The first and most important one these days is having your site on SSL. And so again, that's not necessarily a WordPress cost, it's a hosting cost, but SSL is included if you're on HubSpot. So right. and, and Google won't even show your site if it's not 
SSL. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, right. That was a change that was made, I want to say, a year and a half or two years ago. Uh, they've right. been making security increasingly more important, but now you you just straight up can't rank if your site is not secure. Right. Um, so it needs to be secure, and you neither need to have that, which comes with HubSpot, or buy that plugin for your WordPress site. Yeah, and that's not expensive. And a lot of these things individually are not expensive that we'll cover, but when you add them all up, now you're looking at probably spending as much or maybe more than you would be with HubSpot. And that uh, specifically the security used to be a knock on HubSpot is that they didn't support SSL. That was years ago. They they rolled out SSL that's included with their accounts now. Um, so that, that's you know one of those things I mentioned that used to be a scenario where maybe you don't go HubSpot that now is no longer a problem and is actually included. Um, so SSL is a big one um, in terms of what you need, not super expensive, but it's just nice to have it included with HubSpot. You don't have to do anything. As soon as you connect your domain, they go set it up for you automatically. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one. The next is um, having a content delivery network. So Cloudflare is a really common one that you would wanna add to a WordPress site. Essentially what that's doing is making your site load faster all over the world. It's caching the content um, and the pages on your site so that anybody who's loading them gets them more quickly, essentially. Mm -hmm. There's also layers of security baked into Cloudflare. With HubSpot, that's also included out of the box. Um, and the page load speeds are also important now because of Google too, right? We went through a whole exercise to audit some of our client sites and our site to make sure that we were hitting Google's recommended page load speed numbers again so we can rank slow loading sites are not getting ranked by google fast loading sites are getting preferential treatment so again if you're on wordpress that's fine but your site needs to load quickly if you're hoping to rank and, and drive visitors organically yeah absolutely I, I would say the speed is another thing like security speed is is something that google looks at increasingly gives it more weight, says that it's important that, you know, people don't have to sit there and wait for it to load. Uh, you know, we're not on dial-up times anymore. Um, right. That is also related to the hosting itself because WordPress is free on top of presumably cheap hosting if you're looking for a free solution. But cheap hosting is one of those things where you get what you pay for. So if you're on a shared server with uh, low-end performance, that's going to slow you down. If you don't have a CDN on top of it, that's going to slow you down. So even if the rest of your code is squeaky clean, your site is still not going to be very fast. Um, so upgraded hosting is ultimately what you're looking at if you want to even compete with HubSpot. And that's where, again, not a WordPress pricing thing, but if you are going to do your site on WordPress, another hosting cost uh, mm -hmm. comes in. Good. I like this. What else you got? Maintenance is maybe one of my favorite arguments of being on HubSpot is that if you're going to be on WordPress, and especially as you start expanding it and adding plugins for security, plugins for social sharing, plugins for A-B testing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because most of these things are not out of the box features in WordPress. 
Um, as all those start to pile up, you get this tech debt if you don't maintain them yourself. Uh, and that's where having to hire a developer to maintain all these plugins or fix them if they break. Because there's always uh, anybody who on the development side or even as regularly in the editor, you know you need to word, update WordPress constantly. You gotta update your plugins, you gotta update PHP occasionally. All of that is generally gonna require a developer and paying a developer is definitely more expensive than a set monthly cost where HubSpot takes care of all of it for you because it's all in the same package. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. We had this scenario a couple of years ago with a client or they were a they were a prospect, they were ready to be a client. They had their website on WordPress and we went to the website to look at it and it wasn't working right. And we were like, "Oh, we just wanted to let you know your website's not working right. So like if you want us to try to help you, we can." It turned out it's exactly what you said. There were there were I guess they had plugins that were not upgraded. And so correct me if I have this wrong, you'll understand this better than I do. I believe WordPress upgraded its platform and their plugins were not upgraded accordingly. So they weren't running on the new platform. And because it was free, of course, no one told them that their website wasn't running. They didn't even realize it until we happened to point it out to them. So is that the scenario you're talking about? Yeah, that's certainly one of the main scenarios where it breaks is a main WordPress update. Not all of those plugins have updated to use the new code code base platform, right, you know, right. dependencies. So uh, not just plugins, though. There's also things like backups, site backups that need to be run regularly in case anything happens. If you do get hacked, like we saw recently, if you don't have a backup, you're pretty much out of luck. Um, so what backing would you have up to the do? Site, Re redo the whole site if you don't have a backup? Pretty much. Hopefully you can grab a cached version in Google. If you notice it quickly enough, you can get a, again, get a developer to go in there and kind of reconstruct a lot of it. But yeah. that, that can be tough for sure. That's pretty important. I mean, it, I didn't even really think about the backup feature. So in WordPress, I'm paying extra again for that backup functionality. Um, and in, in HubSpot, they have that as part of it? Yeah, HubSpot handles it a little bit uniquely in that they actually save versions of all of your assets, not like a snapshot in time of the entire site. So if I change a page and I decide for whatever reason I didn't like all those changes or somebody on my team changed a bunch of stuff and they did it wrong, I can just go into the version history and set that individual page back to what it was. Now, not that WordPress doesn't have page history, but HubSpot has that built into all the pages, has it built into all the templates. You can see who did the revisions. All of it's pretty well organized. Um, and so while there isn't a global backup, there are backups to each of the things that you might want to change. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I want to address, because we're, we've gone down the route of looking at WordPress as a free platform, and now maybe people understand why it's not really free. Some of these issues that I brought up can be solved with WordPress if you go with managed hosting. So managed hosting now is going to run your backups for you. It's going to have built-in security. Um, WP Engine, who we're actually also partners with, just to offset our bias a little. Uh, you know, we're not 
against WordPress by any means, just want to make sure people are educated when they make the choice. Uh, WP Engine is a great solution for managed hosting. So they're they're going to give you a sandbox environment. They're going to run auto updates. So for the most part, your WordPress, your plugin updates are going to get handled behind the scenes for you, similarly to how HubSpot automatically updates their own platform. But now you're talking at managed hosting costs on a monthly mm -hmm. basis, which more or less eliminate that cost advantage of being free because now you're you're paying for platform is that now making make like hubspot costs and wordpress managed hosting costs is that now like apples to apples in terms of what you're getting and what you're paying it's not exactly apples to apples uh some of it depends on your site traffic how many domains you have things like that but if you're looking at um let me just pull up the pricing so I have it accurate. So you can get onto, HubSpot actually has a free version of the CMS now. So that's one thing to consider is that now, while it's not as extensible as it might need to be for a large website with lots of visitors, you can get started for free on HubSpot, both with the CMS and with their CRM, which is something I wanna to touch on is how well integrated those are. Um, but even if you were to go off of the free versions into their starter, the starter CRM is 45 a month and the starter CMS is 23 a month. So now you're looking, at least at the starter level, you're looking at less money per month than your average low-end managed hosting or at least roughly equivalent. Mm -hmm. Once you get to the higher levels, um, if you wanted to get upgraded managed hosting where you get better support, you get um, you get better security features, stuff like that. Now you could be looking at um, like one of our clients that we moved on to the premium hosting for WP Engine, and they're thrilled with it because they didn't want to have to rebuild their whole site. It's huge. They just wanted it to go faster and not have their backups break. We moved mm -hmm. them on to premium hosting, but now you're talking, uh, I believe it's, 800 a month plus as an intro and can go up to 1200 depending on what type of features you want mm -hmm. and at 1200 a month now you're looking at hubspot enterprise mm -hmm. uh, so if that gives you a range you can get onto the free version of hubspot now or starter at between 60 to 70 a month up to enterprise which would be 1200 a month can go up from there if you have massive amounts of traffic but that kind of gives you the range Cool. Very good. Um, can you talk a little bit? I know you were excited when we kind of did our pre-talk about this, to talk about some of HubSpot's latest features that they've been adding to the CMS. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I might lose some people who aren't developers in this part. Well, try but... not to be. We. I will, I will guide you a little here. We don't really, I don't think we have a technical audience. I think this is more of a business audience. So Try to put it in, and I'll help you, but try to put it in like business terms as opposed to tech, because I won't understand what you're talking about either. And I might doze off and that would leave you to host the show by yourself for the rest of the time, which would be bad. So um, try to try to keep it in business terms if you can. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll do my best. We, we actually just recently extended HubSpot.extend, which is the developer dedicated conference version of Inbound for anybody who's an Inbound fan. Um, it's virtual only, but they go, they go through and show us examples, talk about upcoming changes to the platform, et cetera. So that's where 
some of this is coming from. Um, I think the biggest the biggest piece of it from purely a business perspective is the integration of uh, what are called custom objects into your website now. And that- so explain, explain what a custom object is. Yep. Uh, so the way that HubSpot looks at objects is the standard ones are, uh, if you're on the sales team, you'll have a deal as an object. That's where it stores all the information, contact, line items, quotes, everything to do with the deal you're working um, that can have deal stages, et cetera. So that's an object is a deal. Uh, on the service side of things, a ticket is, is an object. And so in a ticket, that might be the customer ID, might be the type of uh, thing that they need help with, et cetera. So objects are essentially um, things that store sets of related properties or data. Um, mm -hmm. At the higher level, objects would be contacts. That's a person, everything you know about them, everything they've done on your site, um, all the interactions your team has had with them all get stored on a contact record. That's an object. Mm -hmm. And then companies are another object, probably kind of self-explanatory at this point, but companies, you can attach all of the contacts to a company. Uh, companies gonna be their website, number of employees, um, Industry and stuff like that. Right. Exactly. Right. So where it gets interesting is all of these objects have relationships to each other. And one of the great things about being on the CRM is being able to manage those relationships and be able to segment on them, et cetera. So that's that's where we're at with objects. Now what's been introduced more recently is custom objects where you can go define this set of custom properties that relates to one idea and make that your own object. And now you can go say, um, let's just for the sake of example, if you wanted to do like an event could be a, a custom object. And now you can define this event, the title, the date, uh, the platform that you're hosting, like the link that it's gonna be on, not unlike maybe this podcast, could be an event. Mm -hmm. uh, you could do locations. Could be an event. Could be its own custom object now. So instead of just last known location, if you're a brick and mortar uh, that has multiple stores, you might store something like last known location on a contact record. Now you can make each of your locations actually its own object. So that's going to store that you can attach. To contacts or companies, or you could attach multiple locations to a contact. Mm -hmm. um, so, like if you have multiple offices, yes. right across the country, you're a you're a uh, an IT company, and you have six offices across the country. You can now group information by office. You can run reports by office. You can put accounts by office, reps by office, because office is a custom object that was important to you. And we were able to build it into the system to help better manage their business. Yep, exactly. Good. How does this? How does the CMS like in effect? Because this seems more like a CRM feature than a CMS feature. So how how does this all connect? It is a CRM feature, but the really cool part that uh, developers are very excited about and marketing teams as well is that now you can take those objects and you can actually customize the content that shows up on your site with 
those objects. And that I'm not just talking about, okay, this object exists that somebody can go manage in HubSpot and I can make it show up on the page. I can make it show up on the page conditionally based on the information that's stored in that custom object. So if I know that somebody is associated with a given office location, I can show them different content on the page that is specific to their area. Mm -hmm. So you know what a Perl is, right? In what context? Like personal URL. Yeah. Okay. So is this similar to that? So, you know, if I, Mike Lieberman, show up on a website, you can make it completely personalized to me, my company, my industry, maybe even my issue because I downloaded something and, and really tailor my website experience to be all about me and, and what, what, what I need, my role, my whatever, right? Whatever information you have about me in the CRM, you can personalize the website to deliver that experience for me. Every time I come to the site on every page? Uh, the exception would be if you're on a new device that doesn't recognize you, uh, it, you might have to go fill out a form or if you click through from an email, it would recognize you. If you're on a brand new device or you clear your cache and cookies, might not recognize you. So I don't want to pretend this is magic. Uh, right. You know, It's not staring through your webcam, but Right. Otherwise, yes. Anything that anything that you've gathered in the CRM to know about a person, you could potentially segment and customize what you're showing. Now, from a dev perspective, most of that stuff was already possible with contact records. But now what's possible is associating these custom objects so that it's no longer just limited to what is what you what you know about the person, you can also segment based on their relationship. Excuse me, based on their relationship with these other things that you might know a lot about. Um, and so that's that's where the possibilities are really endless in terms of the level of customization you can do now. Um, so I can send an email out, right? And obviously the email is going to a specific person and they can have links in that email that will take them back to a page that is completely personalized for them. Is that, is, if I understand you correctly, is that correct? Yeah, it's really just up to the imagination of the marketing team at that point in your, you know, your content right. strategy. We're gonna, we're gonna do some work on this for us uh, next, like next week, maybe. I want I wanna do some experimentation with this. It seems really exciting. I feel like, that's the kind of experience someone would notice, right? As opposed to just, you know, getting a generic landing page that everybody sees that isn't personalized at all, right? It's like, I've, I've written some blog articles about personalization and I've tried to express the fact that it's not Dear Mike anymore or Dear Mike at company ABC. There's like a whole other level of personalization that should be applied. And this is what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like I every mean, single every single touch is one to one at this point. Yeah, I almost I, feel like why do it any other way than than this? Like this, and it, and I'm, I, you can you can uh, give me your opinion on this, but it seems like HubSpot's made it pretty easy to start doing everything in a highly personalized way. Still, is going to take a lot of strategy and messaging thought. That's why agencies like ours 
still exist, right? right. Um, is yeah, HubSpot's made it super easy to go build all this stuff. You still need the thought behind it, you know, instead of just swapping out, hey Mike, hey Kevin, there needs to be a reason to personalize these messages. And mm -hmm. this office location is just one of limitless examples of how custom objects could allow you to then personalize your message more. Uh, it's really That's just great. understanding the, the relationships that your customer has with other objects. That's great. Are there other features too that you're excited about? Yes, I'll, I'll keep this a little bit brief because it's very developer focused. Um, continuing on this path of the CMS evolving and allowing developers to do a lot more cool, integrated, customized stuff. They've updated the platform. Um, so you can still use Hubble markup, which is how you do pro programmatic dynamic pages. You can now also uh, use server-side JavaScript, which is probably not gonna mean a lot to a lot of people <laughs> that aren't technical, but for developers, it's a massive upgrade. Um, Anybody who, who's worked on the back end of websites and front end development, um, there's now React, which is a, a huge a, a huge JavaScript library and framework that allows you to do all kinds of cool stuff dynamically. Um, and what does is, what is server side mean? Meaning it's not getting served up on the web page, which, which can slow it down. Um, or even get blocked based on some firewalls, if I understand it correctly, right? Yeah, and actually, um, so for JavaScript, that's any interactivity with the page, once you hit the page, typically in years past has been done with uh, client-side JavaScript, which means after the initial page content has loaded, now you can run scripts within the visitor's browser to make things interactive, make them do different things. Um, it does come at a little bit of cost to the page load time. And it's also possible for people to block JavaScript entirely. Right. Not right. too many people do that because it basically disables the web. The big advantage here is that all these dynamic relationships I've been talking about, you can render that on the server side, which is incredibly faster to do and adds a level of access to other data that allows the the options for what you're loading dynamically to greatly expand without needing to run massive amounts of scripts once it gets to the client. So what you're saying is it it runs on it it doesn't run on the browser. It runs like on HubSpot. Basically HubSpot is running these JavaScripts on their servers. We're not running them anymore on our our lap our you know laptop or device browsers. Exactly. So okay. It essentially, it makes it faster and more dynamic is what it boils down to. Um, for developers, it makes the platform much more extensible, which was even up until a few years ago and more recently, that's one thing that developers would maybe stay away from HubSpot or, or tell their clients not to go on HubSpot is because you, can't, you don't have control over server-side code. This is now opening up server-side code. So now you can go pull other JavaScript libraries. So it's not just React. React is a very popular one that was featured heavily in this conference. Um, very, very popular framework. Um, but you can go pull other libraries. You can 
I, I'm having trouble expressing how exciting it is for the development community. I mean, like the, the chat sidebar during this conference was just going nuts because it opens up. You could basically build apps in HubSpot now because there's also another thing uh, that just got released as part of this is called islands, which means that you can load things on a page dynamically and pull data in only when you need it. So maybe before, this is a good example of how it all ties together, is before, if you wanted to do something truly dynamic based on a database in HubSpot, you would have to use Hubble to, to basically pull all the information you could possibly need server side and then use JavaScript to parse through it to, to do dynamic things on the page. Now mm -hmm. built into the platform, you can just fetch the information you need when you need it and dynamically swap that out in the page itself. Okay, I, I think I get that. I mean, that seems much more efficient and uh, probably maybe easier to manage if you're building something like that. So I think that's, yeah, I think you did a good job explaining it. And I could see why, why your community would be excited about some of these features, uh, opening up opportunities to do cool, uh, you know, website pages or features, or like you said, apps. Uh, I'm curious about the app. Um, would that be hosted on the HubSpot CMS? Is is that how it would work? Yeah, uh, essentially. So I do want to to make an important note that you probably would not just build like your own full standalone application on HubSpot. Like if you want to really build and sell an app, then that needs to be done on like iOS and the app marketplace type of deal, right? But what we're talking if about- a little, If you need a little widget or something to run on your website, you have more flexibility and more tools to kind of do it like an app, but it it's part of your website, right? Ex exactly. You get right. the- the level of dynamic interaction that you do with apps on a website page. Right, right. That's pretty cool. I mean, you did a good job explaining it. Like I said, I'm not very technical and I think I understood it. So um, did we miss anything? Uh, I jotted a couple notes. Let me just check them. Uh, well, we touched on it slightly there. Um, one of the, one of the, I want to go back and just touch on a couple of things that used to be reasons that people wouldn't move on to HubSpot that are no longer reasons. Okay. Um, so we, we talked about in the early stages design, that's now completely gone. Um, and it's actually even easier to design advanced websites that are still easy to edit uh, because HubSpot has this whole baked in user interface one of the things that came out um, four or five years ago, maybe, was HubDB. And so now that added, added database functionality to HubSpot that didn't used to be there. And that used to be a big reason why people would say, oh, if, you need, if you need to reference a database a lot, you probably don't want to be on HubSpot because there's not the server-side coding, there's not the, the database to support it. Now you have a database that's very easy for your average person to go in and edit that developers can use to then go spin up dynamic content with reusable, easy to edit pages. Um, so the addition of HubDB years back was a, a big one 
that I think shifted things in HubSpot's favor. Now you have a database that's directly accessible, easy to edit. Um, another one might surprise people that are new to the space now, but uh, in the earlier days, one of the objections of moving on to HubSpot is, well, I don't wanna move my site onto HubSpot because what if HubSpot goes away? Which mm -hmm. uh, in the early days, you could say, you know, that's certainly a possibility. Um, these days, that's that's far from a concern for me. Uh, you know, with HubSpot's market cap, the number of global customers, glo constantly expanding globally, HubSpot's not it's going. Not anywhere. quite like it's not quite like Amazon going away, but it's in the neighborhood, right? Yeah, I, I mean, Amazon has 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 their their fingers in many different pies, right? But uh, but HubSpot is. And maybe for this reason is more likely to stick around is the CMS is central to what they do. Amazon might shut down departments, right? HubSpot's not going to turn off the CMS. Mm -hmm. They've invested too much in it. It's it's a great platform. So until I, I mean, I say until I think they're good long run, but mm -hmm. Hubs, Hubs, HubSpot's not going away between now and you know maybe 10 iterations of your website i would guess right, right. at the minimum so that that's Good. one all right so we 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 got about you know 9 minutes or so left till the top of the hour i want to cover one more point i want to and um we kind of addressed one of the questions already um actually it kind of addressed two of the questions so this will address the third question so uh i want you to talk a little bit about what's typically required to move a website, right? So let's say I'm all WordPress and you convinced me you have an awesome job. Like, yeah, I'm ready to go to HubSpot. What's typically involved in moving um, a website from one platform to the other? Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, and this is generally going to be true moving any platform, right? If you're going WordPress to Joomla, to Drupal, to Squarespace, to Wix, to whatever. There might be some pieces of reusable code and there might be some pieces of database entries that can move from one platform to another, but anytime you move platforms, it's going to require a developer. And so that's why I wanted to touch on that. Well, I don't want to move on. I don't want to pay to move on to HubSpot if I'm going to have to later pay to move off of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't see any reason that once you're on it, you would want to move away, but you know, in worst case scenario, if the company went under, then you would have to. So just for context, anytime you move a platform, the process is going to be pretty similar is a developer is going to have to rebuild it. Um, the platforms are so specific in their architecture that it's not like it's not like your house where you can maybe cut it in half and throw it on a truck and move it somewhere and have somebody reassemble it, right? Which most houses that's not going to work for, but happens sometimes. That's mm -hmm. not really how websites work. So you always need a developer to rebuild on a new platform. What's unique about HubSpot is they will they will do they actually eat a lot of cost and charge app cost for the rest of the site. Um, so last I checked, they will migrate up to 25 pages for free, and then it's $20 a page after that. Mm -hmm. 
my at least that's that's what uh we had most recently that tends yeah, to change don't quote you, right but, yeah, but exactly. they're, they're making it very cost effective for them to do the heavy lifting of moving moving your site onto their platform which makes sense i mean they want you to license the software and moving the site is an obstacle right well who's going to do this well we'll take care of it for you and it'll be extremely inexpensive um maybe you could talk for a minute or two obviously we've done this a decent amount of times uh with hubspot and moving sites from one platform to hubspot and there's almost always some extra work for us in in these projects so you know just to be fair and fully transparent, while HubSpot tries their best to move your site, like dollar for whatever, you know, like letter for letter, page for page, we almost always have to go in and do some type of cleanup to make it actually, you know, work the way it was originally designed. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm not knocking HubSpot, like I, it's a very uh, affordable service they're providing, but I want people to understand that if they are going to do it, you should expect to need, you should expect to have some additional cost associated with somebody who understands websites and, and HubSpot and coding to be able to look at it after HubSpot's done and potentially, you know, make sure it's good, QA it at least, but more than likely they're going to have to go in and, and clean it up a little bit and fix some things that maybe got broken. Um, I've especially noticed when there's complex widgets and things like that. HubSpot's not great at moving those. Um, so those sometimes have to be either moved over and, and rebuilt or or connect, connected differently or, you know, something like that. So um, if you want to add a little more color to that, uh, go ahead. Um, yeah, so part of the migration process, um, and one note is that you do have to be on professional for them to migrate your site for you. If you're on free or starter, you basically are going to have to rebuild it. Um, you can do it using WYSIWYG tools, but just did want to clarify that point. If you're on professional, you can't even pay them. You can't even, could you pay someone else to move it? If, if so, there's no way to move it unless you're on pro. Uh, HubSpot will not have their developers move it for you, even if you pay them, unless you're on pro because they're uh -huh. eating so much cost as providing 25 pages free right. and then $20. A page we, we had this with another client, right? You're actually moving their website for, for them, right? Yeah, ex exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. okay. Because they're not unprofessional, but right. HubSpot makes it pretty easy to spin up a site. So if it's not a huge site, it's not a big deal. But again, anytime you move any platform there, it's going to require developer and while yes, we usually do find QA, issues um you're probably going to find qa issues on any platform you move anytime right. you move a whole website right it's going right, to need right. careful thorough review right. so hubspot includes that in their cost right so if you have somebody on your team that's going to go through and check everything you can just send them a punch list and they'll fix it in the included cost so right. whereas if you were moving from one platform to another like we, we've had clients on Joomla where their site became outdated so much so that they literally could not update the site anymore. That means you're going to have to pay a developer to move it either to a new version of Joomla uh, or onto WordPress. And you're going to have to pay them to move everything over. You're still going to have to do all that QA, except for now the 
the fixes are going to cost you. Right. Right. Good. Yeah. Kevin. Wow. What a great uh, explanation of, you know, what's involved with HubSpot CMS and moving CMSs and taking care of our website. So I really appreciate you joining me. This was very helpful. I'm sure our audiences uh, appreciate it. Uh, just to remind everybody, if you're interested in the show, go on over to the YouTube Square to Marketing YouTube channel. Uh, you can check out all of the What's Wrong with Revenue shows there. We post them every single Thursday. You can subscribe to the show. You can like the show. Leave us comments. We really appreciate our YouTube viewers. If you want to take a look at the show on our website, we have a free Netflix-style streaming service called Square2+. Plus. It's at square2marketing.com backslash, backslash square2plus. And the show will also be there, um, as well as all of our other audio and video content at Square2+. Plus. And if you're interested in the show directly, we have a link at the bottom of our website in the footer called What's Wrong With Revenue. You can check out the last two episodes there. You can also subscribe to the show. So we'll send you an email about what we're going to talk about next week and an email after the show with the actual uh, show. So you can get it right into your inbox. No problem at all. Um, you can And that's where you also submit questions like some of the ones Kevin and I dealt with today. And last but not least, if you're into audio content, the show is published as a podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. Go check them out, download it, like us, subscribe there. Uh, thank you so much. We're going to be off next Wednesday. It's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I'm going to take a break from doing the show. Kevin, thanks again. I'm sure I'll have you back at some point to talk about some other technical issue that your expertise will be super valuable in. Um, thanks again. I really appreciate your help. And to all of our audience, have a really great night. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody.